0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that hypecast music? I mean, is this a game week? This can't be a game week. There must be news. Welcome into the Husker 24 7 podcast with a little hypecast music. I like it. Michael Brunsch switching it up on us today. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunsch, Brian Christopherson. We finally have a Big Ten schedule, we know the basics. And that is, everything is expected to start September 5th. Extra bye weeks have been built in for some early divisional games. And there is a potential that, if needed, they could play after the regular season is supposed to conclude uh, at the end of November. So, with that out of the way, I'm going to throw it to Michael Brunts, who will run through Nebraska's upcoming schedule for the 2020 season.
1: So, we, we learned in addition to there being a reboot of who's the boss coming, uh, that Nebraska has its Big Ten schedule, a jumbled Big Ten schedule from what had initially been uh, planned. Uh, week one, you'll be starting to run through them here. We've got Rutgers in, at Rutgers in week one. Uh, week two on September 12th, Nebraska has Illinois at home. Uh, One of the the change-ups in week three, Nebraska hosting Wisconsin rather than going to Madison, followed by Iowa at Iowa in week four, which is on September 26th. Week five, Nebraska hosting Minnesota in Lincoln, followed by a road trip on October 10th to Ohio State, a bye week on October 17th, followed by a road trip to Northwestern on October 24th. Penn State comes to Lincoln now on Halloween, followed by another bye week on November 7th with Nebraska finishing up with uh, a road game at Purdue, which was a change. They were originally supposed to open with Purdue in Lincoln. Now Nebraska will go to Purdue on November 14th. And the regular season finale at home against – Michigan state and head coach Mel Tucker for, I believe the 50th straight season, Nebraska will see a Mel Tucker coach team. And then the open week of November uh, 28th, uh, you know, in case you have any games that are postponed or pushed back and the big 10 football championship game in, uh, in Indiana on December 5th with the option to move that back as far as December 19th, if they have to. So, uh the addition of Michigan State, you switch the locations of the Purdue and Wisconsin games for Nebraska, and everything is jumbled. Uh, a lot to kind of break down there. Nebraska also able to start fall camp as scheduled on Friday. We're awaiting official word on that from Nebraska as of this recording, but uh, Big Ten saying they can do that as uh, had initially been planned.
0: All right. Well, let's, let's just uh, – let's start with this. BC, what did you make of kind of the the fact that the Big Ten simply just added an additional opponent, but they kept the bones of the, the regular schedule, at least in terms of the opponents, the same? They just added Michigan State for Nebraska, uh, and certainly other schools face other schools that they weren't planning on playing. They changed the order of the schedule, but you the opponents you were expecting are the opponents that you get. What are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I thought they would do. And in most years past, we would say, man, that's a pretty tough draw, Michigan State, when you add that to Ohio State and Penn State. I don't think they're a bad team to get this time around, just because, um, I mean, imagine being Mel Tucker, your first year in a program during the COVID-19 situation, and trying to manage that when it's your, your first year on a campus. And obviously... Uh, They've had other stuff to deal with beyond that, and they've had their workouts stopped and started. So I don't think that's a bad add to Nebraska's schedule from a fairness standpoint. Um, I guess the first thing that popped out to me was, you know, the first team on the schedule is Rutgers, who is the, the team that, you know, is a hotbed right now for positive cases. They had 28 reported as of yesterday. So you sort of see that game announced, and then you kind of look at the dates and say okay when are the makeup dates if they can't play it and Nebraska and Rutgers don't share bye weeks so they would have to uh they would probably have to play that game at the very end of November for some reason they can't but you know maybe Rutgers will be able to go but I have to think what's going on there is going to really cut into their practice time so if they do actually take the field September 5th from a competitive standpoint Nebraska has two good games to start the year where it, it should have a chance to get off to a good start uh, with Rutgers and then Illinois in Lincoln on September 12th, which I actually think is a, a sneaky big game. And I, I think you wrote that too, Schaefer.
0: Yeah, I I certainly did. Let's, let's not give away our sneaky big games just yet. Oh, my bad. Uh, we, we've got an order to this madness here, oh. BC, and you should respect that order. Brunson what What is something you like about this schedule as it pertains for to Nebraska uh, from where things were with the original schedule well I'm first
1: off on a personal note happy that Nebraska's switched road game didn't involve penn state um, that that was you know one concern that I had was a uh, a trip to happy valley but uh, with with the way things kind of broke down i mean I, I think the fact that that Wisconsin game is taking place in Lincoln um, kind of makes that five-game stretch maybe a little bit more manageable. I mean, before everything was jumbled, the conversation was about basically how Nebraska's schedule finished or was supposed to finish with Ohio State on Halloween all the way through to uh, Minnesota at the end of the season. They've kind of just moved it up a little bit, but – now you have Wisconsin at home, you go to Iowa, Minnesota at home, you go to Ohio State, and then you have a bye week. You know, I I just think that that's a little bit more manageable at the front of the schedule or towards the front of the schedule than, you know, maybe having it, you know, in in November because it just felt like that was going to be, you know, for lack of a better word, a Mark Banker bloodbath type uh, stretch of games. And it still is, but I just think, you know, having that earlier in the season probably helps you a little bit more where hopefully you're not as beat up as you would have been in November.
0: Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Did we ever get an explanation for why the Purdue and Wisconsin games were flipped? Not yet. No. No. Because that was one of the things I've kind of been wondering about, um, which seems odd given that they're both division opponents and there's really no reason – to have flipped them, unless there's some sort of scheduling thing, but even then, I I thought that odd. If we ever do figure that out, we'll certainly have it on the website or mention it in a subsequent podcast. Okay, BC, what's something when you look at the schedule? A uh, little iffy. Could be difficult for Nebraska.
2: Um, I mean, it, it's the stretch from September 19th to October 10th. That's 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 tough sledding there with Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, no matter how you, you drum it up. But that, as Bruns was getting at, that was already on the schedule. Um, I actually – this is going against your question. That's okay. It, no it, one tri- follows the rules. It, it triggered the thought in my head. I actually like that Purdue got moved down. Not that Purdue is this big, scary wolf or of any sort, but – I think they're a tougher team to play right off the bat maybe when they're fresh and you know Rondale Moore is healthy and um, they don't have a lot of depth. Now, I know that moving that game to November gives Bob Diaco some time to work with the defense and I don't want any snickering from anybody because he has had good years and bad years. Um, But I actually, I thought Purdue was a really dangerous first week opponent, but I think they're a team that could struggle with depth and not be as daunting in November, but we'll see on that. So that was something that intrigued me because I sort of thought Purdue would just stay where they were on Nebraska's schedule. I thought, oh, they already got a Big Ten West game the first week; no need to even change that. So that that inter that interested me right away that that had moved two months.
0: Yeah, I, it's interesting because. I kind of go the other way with that game. I think Nebraska would have been better off catching Purdue right away when they're still trying to figure out their quarterback situation than maybe in later in November when you've got David Bell, Rondale Moore, uh, potential for their, the rest of their offense to be humming and they kind of haven't figured out what they want to do at quarterback. Now, you mentioned depth. Obviously, Purdue is a program that's still kind of building up to what it wants to be. They're not going to be the deepest team on Nebraska's schedule. And certainly playing them later in the year could expose some of that. But I, I do kind of wonder if it wasn't better for Nebraska's defense, at least initially, to catch a Purdue team that doesn't have a surefire quarterback. Now, on the flip side of that, I love the fact that Nebraska is getting Iowa very early in the season. Iowa's offense is definitely going to be something for to, to watch. Tyler Goodson is their best skill position player, it seems. They have Oliver Martin, who transferred from Michigan. But they lost Nate Stanley, who, while never outstanding, uh, was always very, very confident came up big for Iowa multiple times throughout his career, undefeated against Nebraska. And they're going to replace him, likely, with Spencer Petras. I think that's a winnable game in Iowa City. I think that if, if things absolutely broke the best possible way they could for Nebraska, they could be 3-1 and one after those four games. I like the fact that they're catching Iowa. Normally the team that they play at the end of the year – in the bloodbath bowl, uh, if you will. They're getting them very early on in September. And I- I'm curious, what do you think, Bruns? Do you-, do you think that works in Nebraska's favor, or am I overrating it a little bit? No, I
1: mean, I, I think Iowa's going to be – you know, Iowa's going to Iowa. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be right around that eight-win mark. I-, I think the quarterback position, I think you're right. I, I think it's probably better to catch them – a little bit earlier than, than not. I mean, I think Spencer Petras is going to be a fine quarterback. Uh, will he be able to sneak for, uh, you know, six, seven yards pop, uh, like Nate Stanley did? We'll see. But I I just like the the thing that just stands out to me that I think benefited Nebraska is that you, you're getting those types of games earlier in the year, uh, than you were before. I mean, I, I think when you look at, you know, what's kind of there on the on the back half of the schedule. You know, you've got Michigan State. Um, you, who knows what they're going to be like at that point? Maybe, you know, w- with a new coach, they're kind of humming along a little bit more. Uh, that, that trip to Purdue always scares me a little bit because Nebraska, for whatever reason, never seems to play well there. Uh, but the the back half of the schedule seems manageable now. I mean, it, I, I, I think the – that Wisconsin, or the Iowa-Wisconsin, um, you know, setup there is a little bit favorable. And, and, you know, the thing we don't know, too, that, you know, could start to happen to some teams as things go along. I mean, are we, we going to see more guys opting out? You know, Bateman's not going to be playing for Minnesota. Uh, sounds like Micah Parsons probably not going to be playing for Penn State. So, uh, you know, maybe that also uh, benefits Nebraska a little bit too, uh, as some of these, you know, higher, you know, potential draft pick guys decide that they're
0: they're maybe not going to play. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly something to to kind of keep an eye on. We've seen some some notable guys opt out here, and, and certainly some that are alleged to to be coming. Uh, how that sort of affects the roster. The the running joke there is that Nebraska will be unaffected from their own standpoint because they don't have guys good enough to opt out yet. Uh, So there's that, but we shall see how that plays out for them. All right, let's, let's get into, let's do a couple of these sort of uh, superlatives if you will. And we'll start with this one. I'm going to just go ahead and say that Ohio state is Nebraska's toughest game, but BC really wanted to talk about Illinois. Why do you think Illinois is a sneaky, difficult game on the schedule for Nebraska-BC?
2: Well, I don't know if they're, they're difficult. I just think it's sneaky big because you go into that four-game stretch from September 19th to October 10th where, um, you know, if if you can go through that and win a couple of those, I think a lot of people right now would take it. So Nebraska really needs to head into that, I think, 2-0 or 1-0, depending on what happens with Rutgers. Lovey Smith's team, even two years ago or a couple years ago in in Lincoln when he didn't have a great team, they they usually play Nebraska pretty hard on the defensive side of the ball. Um, They return their quarterback. uh, They've got a good weapon at wide receiver back. They did have a running back opt out early, so that could affect them. But I felt like they were one of the hardest-hitting teams actually in the conference last year. And I say that with no sarcasm at all. Even early in the season when we didn't know they were going to be bowl eligible, when they played Nebraska, you remember that game. Their safeties were lighting up um, Huskers. J.D. Spielman took a beating in that game. Now, Nebraska also got like 900 yards of offense, so it's not like uh, they didn't get stuff done against them. Um, but I think Lovey Smith's imprint on that team, which we all wondered if he could could take hold, actually started to last year. Now I don't know if they can they can use that momentum or not. But I think it's a it's a tricky early game where if you lose it, it's suddenly going to cause a lot of moaning around here and gray skies and all that sort of thing, and you got to deal with that. So you can't drop that game.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. It- do you guys see a similarity between kind of the the way that game sits and the way the Colorado game sat last year for Nebraska,
1: Bruntz? Yeah, I mean it's that that game also the the complexity of that game changes too. Like Brian said, based on what happens week one. I mean, if if Nebraska doesn't play against Rutgers as as it's currently scheduled, that Illinois game is is probably a, a tough one. Um, to, to have as your first game. And not only that, but, I mean, you, you've got Illinois coming in uh, off of a Thursday night game with Ohio State to open the season. So they, they would have a few extra days to prepare for that game as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's, we go back to that Colorado game this past year, and that was a total gut check game for Nebraska, you know, they, they went out, they played well in the first half, looked to be in complete control of that defense was playing the best it had at any point during last season. And then the house of cards just fell apart on them in the second half. And I, I think that that, the, the kind of the stench, I guess, of that collapse kind of lingered with Nebraska for quite a while last season, it felt like. So, yeah, I mean, it's, if Nebraska is able to start two and zero. I think you're going to have a pretty confident group going into that, that four game stretch of Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Ohio state. If if you stumble a little bit uh, against Illinois or uh, you know, you, 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 you win in kind of ugly fashion, maybe that's, that's a, you know, a a time to be a little bit concerned going into that one. So I, I would agree with you guys. I mean, I think that is a, a sneaky tough game on the schedule and a sneaky important one too.
2: There's pressure that – there's really a lot of pressure the first two weeks. I mean, let's say they play the game against Rutgers. I'm not going to assume they're not going to. Uh, and But after everything Rutgers has been through with a new coach and I think they've lost 21 straight Big Ten games or something like that and the COVID thing, there will be a little pressure on Nebraska if they go out there to not have that be a calamity. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you go all the way out there and you take a loss, um, that's that's really rough. So those really those first two weeks when I saw that, I was like, "That looks good for Nebraska." I think they're going to be two and zero, but you better live up to that. Otherwise, uh you know, you know how it'll be around here if if one of those is a loss.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Nebraska hasn't started two and zero since twenty sixteen. Uh, they've started two and zero once in the last five seasons. Uh, those aren't you know. Great statistics. So, all right, Brunts, let's. Uh, do you got another? You got another team that that could be a sneaky game for Nebraska based on where it sits in this new schedule? Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think one that. I mean, kind of going back to, to what we were talking about earlier. I, I think you know Purdue later in your your season uh, has the potential to be a tougher game um, if they're able to get things kind of figured out. Uh, at quarterback, and, and also, you know, who knows what the status of Bob Diaco's defense is going to be at that point. Also having to go to uh, Purdue Pete's house, um, you know, in, in November could be uh, kind of a a, a sneaky, tough uh, location to play. Um, you know, I, I, I it's coming after that second bye week. Uh, who knows what you know the feeling of the schedule is good in the season is going to be at that point if you've had a bunch of cancellations and uncertainty with your schedule uh, it could be a little bit hairy late in the year uh, you know I, I think under the previous schedule that game was going to be tough for Nebraska anyways because uh, you know I, I just think Purdue is that team that's kind of in the same spot that Nebraska is in terms of needing a breakout season kind of having a little Purdue's got a little bit, I think, of a more sexy pick to uh, its name a little bit this season, but you know, getting that later in the year uh, could, could be a little bit of a headache, and especially uh, coming off of a, a, a bye week as well. Although I guess both teams will be because uh, the entire West uh, minus Illinois, I believe, is on a bye uh, that in week ten.
0: Yeah, I I definitely I kind of hit on Purdue a little bit earlier. The other one. And in similar reasoning, is they have Northwestern after the bye. So they get Ohio State, they go to the bye, and then you get this Northwestern team that nobody really knows what to do with. They have Peyton Ramsey now at quarterback, and there's a hope that he will do much better than what they received from their quarterback play last year. I still think they're kind of a, an incomplete team in terms of, of skill position players, but, of course, Northwestern defense – almost stole a game against Nebraska last year, and there was a bad Northwestern team. So that's a tough game, and it's a game. We're at the point where Nebraska needs to win these games. There's there's all this discussion about who gets to play who and the crossover games, and woe is us. We always play Ohio State. Nebraska lost to Indiana last year. They almost lost to Illinois. They almost lost to Northwestern. They need to start winning those games. They lost to Purdue each of the last two years. I look at this Northwestern game as – very much a must win if you're going to go five and five or six and four. And I think that's kind of where people think Nebraska can sit. So if you're going 500 or above, you have to beat Northwestern on October 24th. And Nebraska is one and one against them. They let one go in uh, under this coaching staff. They let one go in 2018. And I think it's going to be another tough game. And they always play Northwestern uh, close especially out there at Ryan Field where the grass is is as high as the corn is in the summer. So it's a, a difficult matchup for Nebraska, and it's sandwiched in between a bye week and Penn State, plus you have Ohio State on the other side of that bye. It's just the kind of game that can get lost in the shuffle, but it's one that Nebraska cannot afford to lose this season. All right, let's, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, some other questions we've got here as well as which Big Ten team maybe caught a break from the scheduling gods. Uh, And then we will uh, wrap things up as we kind of discuss Nebraska's schedule, the Big Ten schedule, and, and what we think happens going forward. Uh, I mentioned that we have a few other things we want to get to here. One of the things I, I kind of want to discuss with, with you guys, and we've touched on it a little bit as we have hit on just about every game in this schedule so far, how do you feel about Michigan State being Nebraska's crossover opponent, Brooks?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what we expected, right? Like with the way the schedule was, it, it had to be Michigan State um, or they seemed like a likely crossover. I mean I don't know I don't know what to make of Michigan State. I, and and the fact that it's coming at the end of the season, I think, probably uh helps the the Spartans a little bit. I mean, Mel Tucker's gotta be sitting there like kind of wondering what he's got. I mean, they didn't get didn't get much spring practice in. Uh he was hired late. And, you know, I, I guess the the one benefit maybe. Um, for for Michigan State is, you know, Mel Tucker's won two games against uh, this coaching staff and, and, you know, his defenses have played okay uh, against Nebraska. He's familiar with Adrian Martinez and some of Nebraska's personnel. So, uh, you know, it could have been worse. I was expecting, you know, Nebraska to somehow probably end up with Michigan as their crossover, just because it seems that uh, that's the way it sometimes works when, things like this happen, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is what it is. Let's hope they, they actually get it in, I guess, since it's uh, later, later in the season.
0: BC, oh. what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it was, it, I mean, it's a game I thought Nebraska would get. The The only thing is I, I'd say it would have been advantageous for Nebraska if they got Michigan State right off the bat. Um because I think that's a program that's had some turmoil all off season. I could see where Mel Tucker, who I think is a good football coach by November has that team sort of being dangerous and uh, a tough squad to face off against. I think Minnesota happens to get Michigan state in week one. And I think that's, that's the time to draw them. So I, I guess the, the, the date, where it's set on Nebraska's schedule adds to the difficulty of that game for me.
0: Brunch, we're seeing a lot of uh, proclamations that Wisconsin has already won the Big 10 West. Uh, (laughs) Have you, have you seen that? And have you looked at Wisconsin's schedule at this point?
1: I'm actually uh, looking at it right now. Um, And, they, they, you got to be careful. They, they start with Indiana in Week One, and you know how Indiana feels about any perceived slights. To, uh, you know th- what they've got going on in Bloomington. You don't, you don't talk about Mellencamp's boys that way. Um, so Wisconsin gets Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Maryland, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, and Rutgers. They avoid Ohio State. They avoid Penn State. They go to Michigan, go to Maryland, to Northwestern, and to Iowa. It seems manageable. Um, I would have probably picked Wisconsin to win the West anyways. And I know you're going to push back on this, that Wisconsin's getting the pass on the schedule, Shaper, but – It it seems as though the road is not clear, but it's favorable for the Badgers to uh, make it to
2: Indianapolis.
0: BC, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, among the Big Ten West teams, which we talk about the most, they they have the most favorable road. Um, You know, I don't think – it's anything to whine about around here. Wisconsin has had years um, where they've had the toughest road. Uh, Cause I write that story every season. And I, I can remember a few years back in particular when most of us around here buried Wisconsin, that they wouldn't have any chance to win the division mm-hmm. because of their schedule. And lo and behold, they still win and won the division. So, you know, it just happens to be their year where they catch a little bit of a break. That's the way it goes. We already knew this was going to be a tough schedule for Nebraska unless they just completely erased the crossover games that were in place. Um, I'm looking at Minnesota's schedule yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's doable, but what, what's interesting is they get Michigan State week one, which I like for Minnesota, but then they do play Michigan week two uh, before the run of Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska. And then it's pretty favorable for the Gophers the rest of the way. But, uh, you know, if Mich- if Minnesota gets beat up a little bit by Michigan that second week and, and then, you know, they can't win a type game against Iowa or Wisconsin or something, it's possible some of the shine could be worn off PJ Flex guys when they actually get to Lincoln on October 3rd. I wouldn't be surprised if – I'm looking at it. They're two and two, or something like that, when they come to Lincoln. So I think Minnesota's got a tough early stretch, easy back stretch, and Wisconsin has the best stretch.
1: I'm looking at I'm looking at Iowa's right now too. Front part seems manageable. Maryland, Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska is your your first four. Uh, the back f- five weeks though are interesting, where you go to Penn State. Michigan State at home in Week Nine, a bye week, Wisconsin at home, and then you finish with Ohio State on the road. That that might be, I think, one of the more difficult finishes in the Big Ten West.
2: Which means they're going to stop the season like halfway through. And I was like,
0: (laughs) four and one or something. For Iowa, that's important because those games being the tougher ones, they get a little bit more of a runway with like what I talked about a little bit earlier with their offense. Uh they've they've got to figure some things out. And it's obviously been a little bit of a tumultuous off season over in Iowa City. A tad. I, I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna push back on the idea that Wisconsin has the easiest road this year. I think that's I think that's true. However, I do think that Nebraska fans get really upset and locked in every year about what Wisconsin has without truly thinking about all of the different games Nebraska has lost. Like, what does it matter? If Wisconsin has a slightly easier advantage to a divisional championship at the onset and you're still losing games to Indiana, it does not matter to you as a Nebraska fan that Wisconsin has a slightly easier road before the season starts. So I don't. Yeah. And I always feel like it gets a little bit blown out of proportion as to how much it actually affects things. Um, and it, it, the unfortunate thing for Nebraska, and I, I said this to Brunch before we went on air, is the last four years Nebraska's had a Ohio State and they're they're 0-4. Michigan and Wisconsin have played in that time, and Wisconsin's 2-2. and Iowa and Penn State have played in that time, and Iowa's 0-4. So Wisconsin has taken care of its business against its crossover opponent more often than either of the other two teams. And even when they have gotten the death slate, like 2016, they won head-to-head against Nebraska, and they represented the Big Ten West in the division that year. So it it just always strikes me as just incessant whining about the schedule when Nebraska hasn't even put themselves in a position for that schedule to matter since 2016, and even that was a year where Wisconsin had a tougher road than Nebraska did, and they still managed it.
2: Well, so if people – yeah, if people think Wisconsin's had an easier schedules most of the years, maybe occasionally, but no, they haven't. They, they've been up there with Nebraska, I think, in difficulty. Iowa is a team that has probably caught more breaks than others, but I agree with your general point. You know, you gotta, you got to make that conversation – who even cares about that conversation right now? When you look at Nebraska's schedule – The important games to me are games like Rutgers, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue. um, And then, yeah, take care of business there. And then see what you can get done in that four-game stretch, which you wrote about on our site, um, against the big boys. And, you know, win a couple of those maybe, and you have a really good season. But handle the business first that's – the early chapters of the book, you know, the easy reading supposedly because that hasn't been easy reading for Nebraska. And, uh, that's, that's where they got to take a step as a program where you can count on Nebraska winning those kind of games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's a question for you guys. So we're talking schedule, obviously, you know, traditionally you look at, you know, road games being more difficult, uh, because of, you know, fan, opposing fans or whatever. Do you think that this year that there will be a, a significant swing not towards, you know, road teams winning more, you know, the majority of games or whatever, but do you do – you, how much – how muted do you think home field advantage will be this season in the Big Ten versus most years?
0: I – I don't know. I mean, is there is there a huge home field advantage in the Big Ten anywhere that isn't Ohio State or Penn State at this point?
1: I mean, if you're going to – let's say you're going to Michigan, um, that game looks a heck of a lot more manageable now than, you know, if you – even though it's uh, a quiet 100,000. Um,
0: yeah, the, I guess I, I sort of look at it like it depends on what kind of team you'd have going to Michigan. Nebraska going to Michigan in 2018 versus Nebraska going to Michigan – in, in 2014, you know, they, they had a more senior-oriented team and an older, experienced team. They were able to handle that environment a little bit better. So, I, I, I get what you're saying. I just – I feel like there's really only two places that have a true home field advantage to me, and that would be Penn State and Ohio State. I don't think Nebraska has one, um, and that might anger some people, but I'm not sure why it would at this point. Maybe – does Wisconsin have one? Hadn't they won a bunch of games in Camp Randall?
1: Yeah. I mean, jump around is going to be a little less impressive this year, probably. <laughs> um, will, the, will the press box still sway if no one's there to jump? They're, they're going to simulate that somehow. you are got to have, like, a bunch of staffers outside pushing the press box, trying to move it, I think. Uh, so Nebraska's road games, you've got Iowa, Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, and Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers is probably negligible. Uh, Nebraska going to Northwestern is actually probably playing more in Northwestern's favor uh, if there's fewer fans. Purdue, you know, not a huge one, but I mean, that Ohio State game seems a heck of a lot less daunting if you only have 20% of the fans in there um, than than what it would have been. I mean, you still have to tussle with the guys on the field, but at least, uh, you know, the – the scene I guess will be a little less intimidating I think uh based on what it compared to what it would have been
2: yeah that's the only road game I see on Nebraska's schedule where I say it might it might make a difference (laughs) you're right about Northwestern they won't have to use a silent count in their own stadium um this time around I wonder if it'll help Nebraska a little bit actually at home and uh let's say that, you know, you have to limit fans or whatever they end up doing. Um, I feel like of late, Nebraska gets wound really tight playing in its own stadium. And I think part of that is, you know, the fans are hovering over you. And when something goes bad, you just feel it like it just kind of hangs over the field. And I, I feel like Nebraska plays tense sometimes of late inside their own stadium. And I wonder if this weird one season, where maybe it's not completely full or whatever, it looks like, um, maybe maybe that's helpful in some way. Because uh, Nebraska, I feel like, has actually played some better football sometimes on the road than they have at home in uh, you know the last five years or so.
0: Wow! Look at look at BC taking shots at Nebraska fans for making it difficult on their players. <laughs> All right. I you, you know it? It's a new Jack Stoll thing.
2: Yeah, you, you you know what I mean. Like when when you're down, I know exactly field, what you mean. When yeah. you're down on the field in Memorial Stadium, and a couple things start to go bad, that stadium is so over the top of you, which is a good thing in most cases. But in this case, you you like hear it. Like you can just feel like the negative energy, like over the just hovering over the field, like. I, I just I just wonder if in some ways a a one year deal where it's kinda odd and more like a practice setting or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it helps them at all. It, I'm it, I'm thinking out loud a little bit.
1: I know what you mean though, BC. It's the same feeling in PBA when you know somebody misses a free throw like with about three minutes left in the game. It's that kind of like it's it's like when you hit a whammy and press your luck. It's like the oh yeah type feeling. It, well, it's I mean, uh, it's palpable. Yeah.
2: Everybody here wants it so bad. You know, yeah. they want Nebraska to be great again so bad. And it, it's that feeling like the whole week there's this buildup to how they're going to do, how they're going to do. And then if a few things go bad, it's, it, it can be a tough setting. So I, I don't know. We'll see how that plays. We'll see how many fans are allowed in because I, I don't know what Bill Moose is going to do with that.
1: Yeah. So that's absolutely. there's a so we, we have the schedule now. What what are we still waiting to learn? We we need to know what the fan situation looks like. I, I saw Maryland this morning released theirs that they are not allowing any fans in. Um so you still need to know that from Nebraska. What else are we awaiting word on?
0: Uh you mean for our jobs or for just general Nebraska
1: football? Just just general you know, tying up loose ends
0: i mean the the fans in the the stadium seems to be the biggest one uh, again, this is more of our job related but i'm I'm curious what it looks like from a press situation very obviously uh and and how certain programs will handle that and how other ones won't um, beyond that though, I mean, I thought Kevin Warren did a pretty good job. I don't know if either one of you kind of wants to go more in depth on this but uh, explaining that basically it's a it's a mandatory 14 day quarantine on positive tests.
2: Yeah, um, and I think the important thing today was good for the soul to see games on the schedule and see a roadmap at least. And I think it's really good for players and coaches. But I think what Kevin Warren, you 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 could tell what he was getting across is this is no guarantee uh this is not a season make um what happens when fall camp starts friday which i thought was huge because i didn't know if they're going to push back camp at all or anything like that uh but you know the next couple of weeks you know there's going to be some headlines and things where there's some positive cases and stuff like that and uh i'm really interested just what the reaction is going to be um you know, some schools, it feels like if they get a positive case or two, there's more of this approach of, uh, well, that's, we got to, we got to call off everything for now. And there's other schools that aren't quite doing it that way. And I think they have to be on the same page where they, it has to be figured out what exactly do we have the stomach for if we're going to do this? And I don't know what the threshold on that is of, positive cases and it's it's kind of a tough topic to take on because you seem inconsiderate but that's got to be a real conversation like what what is the line here between we're going we're we're continuing through and we're not continuing and I feel like there's been it's been all over the map with how schools are handling that so you got to get everyone to kind of agree on that as you get into this now
0: all right final thing for you guys here I want from each of us, and uh, I don't know which one of you wants to go first, because we played that hype cast music, I feel like we need to get some oddly specific predictions in here. And so the ones that I'm looking for, and they they don't have to be particularly bold, but what I want from each of you is Nebraska's best win, assuming that they play all 10 games on the schedule, uh, and the game that gets away from them, assuming they play all 10 games on the schedule, and then the final record and you got to do this here in like 15 seconds. Wow. So, which one of you wants to go first? All right, I'll go.
1: Nebraska's best win is going to be Penn State at home on <laughs> October, <laughs> on October 30 <30th. laughs> on October 31st. Everybody's going to be in their costumes, socially distanced, celebrating a win on Halloween uh, over Penn State. Uh, Nebraska's going to then go into a bye on November seventh, and then come out of the bye on November fourteenth with a last-second loss at Purdue uh, in soul-crushing fashion. However, I think Nebraska finishes six and four. I'm gonna I'm gonna say six and four, and that is that bowl eligible this year? Or do we
0: even know? Are there bowl games? Is that going to be the Cheesehead Bowl? I, I don't think there's gonna be bowl games, uh, but who knows. So we will uh we'll cross that bridge if they get all ten games in. BC, okay. where uh where where are you coming down on this one?
2: By the way, is six wins the new eight wins? I, I earlier on uh Bruns was talking about Iowa and he said they get their eight wins. Is that like the new does that fall to like six wins now for programs like that?
1: Well I, I think I wonder if Ference gets paid off at six wins. I mean that that's the big question. Um
2: yeah, that contract is so beneficial to him. He probably had it worked in case of a pandemic and there's 10 games and I win four, I get this kind of bonus.
1: Neil Cordrish, uh his agent <laughs> earning that money.
2: Oh man. Six and four, huh? Uh, I kind of like that. I'll say five and five for now. I think it's a tough slate. I could think could see Nebraska starting two and oh, um, Penn State was a good pick because I actually think Nebraska, especially if Micah Parsons isn't playing for them, Penn State's QB play is inconsistent enough. And as much talent as they have, I could see where they have a bad week somewhere and lose to somebody uh, like Nebraska. Um, But I will say biggest win is Iowa, September 26th. and then I think Nebraska will be three and three at the bye. They will uh, beat Northwestern, lose to Penn State. And I guess I'll say they'll split the last two between Purdue and Michigan State. So maybe a tough loss to Purdue in there as the bad loss, a, a big win against Iowa.
1: Here's the other thing about Penn State coming into that game in Lincoln. They, they play Maryland at home. They play Iowa at home. They go to Nebraska, and then they have Ohio State the following week back in Happy Valley. I'm thinking that maybe that Nebraska game maybe gets uh, lost in the shuffle a little bit.
0: Interesting. Brunt sees Nebraska as a trap game. For yep. Brunces. I like it. Uh, I'm I'm a lot in the same line with BC here, uh, though. I I do think Nebraska goes six and four. That's kind of where I'm at as I look at the schedule this morning. We'll see as things play out. Uh, none of us have to be held to these as our official predictions we can We can change things up as the as fall camp plays out but i I like Nebraska at six and four. I do think iowa is is kind of their their big win this year. I think that they they get that one. I kind of think that Wisconsin could be out there for the taking too. I know Nebraska's lost by double digits each of the last two years, but they've moved the ball on wisconsin it's been all the other things that have gone wrong, whether it's defense or special teams or an untimely turnover here or there. But uh, I, I think that they can move the ball on this Wisconsin defense. I'm curious, life after Jonathan Taylor, if Wisconsin moves to a little bit more of the forward pass uh, or if we just see them try to reload at running back. So I find the Badgers kind of interesting in that regard. But I, I think the uh, the tough loss, I think Nebraska will let one get away against Minnesota. I think that Bruns, I think, was the one that mentioned this. Minnesota comes in, and that could be a really tough stretch for them. And they're going to look at that Nebraska game as to try to get right. And that's an opportunity for, for Nebraska to potentially win there. In the, the way that I have it set in my head, they could be 3-1 and one with a chance to go to 4-1 and one against Ohio State the next week. Uh, and I see them maybe letting that one get away. But I, I like the way that it kind of sets up after that first bye week. I think that they could really go 3-1 and one, uh, down the stretch there against Northwestern, Penn State. Purdue, and Michigan State. So I'm I'm going to go six and four. That's kind of where I sit. Any final thoughts today?
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, if Nebraska is at least three and three heading into that October 17th bye, I think what you said at the end is important because that schedule is – even though Penn State's on there, um, there's three other games that are very gettable uh, on the back end. And so – hopefully people aren't just dismayed if it's like a 500 start or something like that, um, early on for a program that's building, because uh, they could make a late season run.
1: Brunt? No, I I think, uh, I don't know. It feels, it feels good to be discussing football, even though it's hypothetical football, we've got dates, um, which, which is important. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll see, uh, see if everything goes off without a hitch. Hopefully it does, but, uh, it's, it's, it's just going to be such a weird fall. Like it's, it's funny to make oddly specific predictions right now. And I appreciate the humor of that. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be real fun.
3: Yeah. I, uh,
0: I think I speak for all of us. When I say that I was getting kind of antsy waiting for this schedule to come out because it just feels like the world's longest off season and you're, you're tantalizingly close, and, and no decisions had been made. So it feels good, like Brun said, uh, to be able to, to talk a little football today. Of course, we write a lot of football every day, and you can catch that at Husker 24-7. We have plenty of analysis on the schedule beyond just this podcast, plenty of other stuff, more things coming there. And, of course, if fall camp gets going on Friday, we're hoping to have lots of coverage of Nebraska building up to this 2020 season. Be sure to check that out at Husker 24-7. And we will catch you later this week with another podcast.